0: Good morning and welcome to the 7am Bible. This is Paul Chapman and this is episode number 55. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the good night's rest. We thank you for waking us to a brand new day and we pray now as we open your word, you'll give us something for our souls need this day. And we pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Well, if you've just joined us, we've been going through the life of Jacob. In the last episode, we looked at a flaw in Jacob's character as a parent how it affected his sons and why god chastises us you see when it comes to chastisement there is a purpose from god's perspective hebrews 12 verse 11 says now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous but grievous nevertheless afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby that's hebrews 12:11 Remember, the whole purpose in our life here in this world is to prepare ourselves for the next. In that world, there will be no evil, suffering, or death. There will be a new earth and a place where everyone lives righteously. As Peter wrote in verse 13 of 2 Peter chapter 3, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. In view of this, Peter went on to write, Beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. That's 2 Peter 3 verse 14. That's the goal. God wants us to be found of him in peace, with a character like Jesus, without spot and blameless. The Greek word for blameless here means faultless, While none of us are without fault, we need to realize that in everything that happens to us, God is working to correct us and present us faultless when our name comes up in the judgment. The words in Jude 1 verse 24 should be an encouragement for us. It says there, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. The only way God can do that is if we cooperate with Him today in overcoming our faults. He allows trials not to just test us, but to correct us. And that's what He was going to do now for Jacob and his sons. As I mentioned yesterday, Jacob's life had not been without fault. One of those concerned his failings as a parent. He had a duty to bring up his children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord as we read yesterday. But he failed to do this faithfully. He had become indulgent toward his children and then added the fault of partiality to his parental failings. He loved Joseph more than all his other sons. And when he gave Joseph that coat of many colors, it only caused intense jealousy among Joseph's brothers. We read in Genesis 37 verse 3, When his brethren saw that their father loved him, that's loved Joseph, more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And to make matters worse, from his brother's perspective, Joseph was given a dream that only made them more bitter towards him. Let's read it in Genesis 37 verses 5 to 8. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose, and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about, and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said unto him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams, and for his words. Now, I'm not sure if Joseph really knew how much his brothers hated him, but if he did, this was not a very wise thing to do. Telling them about his dream, which implied superiority over his brothers, just fed their hatred. The fact that he recounted the dream to them suggests either his naivety or else some seed of pride in his being his father's favourite. Remember, he was the second youngest of Jacob's sons, the 11th in line to any possible birthright. So what could the meaning be of the dream? Was Jacob to have dominion over them all? Well, in case the message didn't get through the first time, Joseph had another dream. But this suggested not only his brothers would bow to him, but his father too. Let's read it. In verse 9 I'm reading here. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it his brethren, and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father, and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him, and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying, Now, that's from uh, 37 verses 5 to 11. What could all this mean? Well, Jacob certainly had thoughts to ponder over. Something was happening here, no doubt, in the providence of God. But just what? Jacob had no idea. As for his brothers, well, in case this dreamer had any thoughts of lording it over them, they soon took care of that. In their extreme jealousy of Joseph they hatched a plan that would bring an end to the cause of their complaints. Let's read it. In Genesis 37, I'm reading here verses 13 to 18. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. And he said, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren, and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. So, Joseph's brothers were out feeding the flock in Shechem, on the ground Jacob had bought there. But, as we saw in episode 49, the terrible cruelty Simeon and Levi had perpetrated there in killing all the men of the city, made Jacob's reputation to stink. He was obviously, I think, concerned for his son's welfare, now that they had gone there. But Joseph doesn't find them there. Let's read it. In verse 15, And a certain man found him, that's Joseph, and behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks? And the man said, They are departed hence, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. Now listen to what happens next in verse 18. And when they, that is his brethren, saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. You know, in the words of Ellen White, she says here, envy and revenge long secretly cherished now controlled them. It's in Patriarchs and Prophets, page 210 and 211. I'm reading further here, at verse 19. And they said to one another, behold, this dreamer cometh, Come now therefore, let us slay him, and cast him into some pit. And we will say, Some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. Now, the thought of murdering their father's favorite son was too much for Reuben, the eldest. In verse 21 says, And Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands, and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him that he might rid him out of their hands, to deliver him to his father again. And it came to pass, when Joseph was come unto his brethren, that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colours that was on him. And they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, there was no water in it. So here is Joseph in the pit, thirsty, tired, and I imagine terrified. His brothers sat down to eat, and the record says, verse 25, They lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels, bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him. For he is our brother and our flesh. And his brethren were content. Then there passed by Midianites merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit, and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for twenty pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph into Egypt. Now Reuben must have gone away for a short time when the sale of Joseph happened, because He comes back and he goes to check the pit. And Verse 29 says, And Reuben returned unto the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit. And he rent his clothes, and he returned unto his brethren and said, The child is not, and I, whither shall I go? You see, being in the elders, he had a responsibility to take care of Joseph. So, to cover their tracks, verse thirty-seven, uh, Genesis 37 verse 31 says, They took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats, and dipped the coat in the blood. And they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found, know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. Can you believe how heartless they had become to sell their brother into slavery, and then to lie about it like they did to their father? Nothing could save Joseph from their jealous rage. Solomon confirmed how unreasonable jealousy can be when rage takes over. In Proverbs 6 verse 34 and 35 he said, For jealousy is the rage of a man, therefore he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will not regard any ransom, neither will he rest content, though thou givest many gifts. Just how far jealous rage goes can be seen in the trial of Jesus. I'm not sure if you remember, but there Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor of the day, presented two persons to the Jewish multitude during the Passover feast, Barabbas, a convicted thief, and Jesus, a man falsely accused. He would set one of them free, according to the multitude's wishes. Now, any reasonable person would have released Jesus, I'm sure, but they were far from reasonable. In Matthew 27 verse 21 it says, The governor answered and said unto them, Whither of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate said unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all said unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why, what evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. Now, Ellen White, in her book uh, Spiritual Gifts, explains the reason behind this decision of the Jews gathered there before Pilate. She writes here in Volume 4 on page 117, The whole life and teachings of Christ were continual lessons of humility, benevolence, virtue, and self-denial. This was a continual reproof to the self-righteous, exacting spirit manifested by the Jews Satan led them on until they seemed to possess a frenzy at the mere mention of the wonderful works of Christ, which were drawing the attention of the people from them. His very goodness made him a subject of their jealousy and hate, and in their blind rage they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Wow, how terrible it is when we allow jealousy and hate to take control over reason. Let's pray that they never do. In the next episode, we'll see now what happens. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for this meditation this morning that reminds us firstly of the need to shun the spirit of jealousy and hatred. Let it not appear in our lives, Father, we pray. And also help us, Lord, to be mindful of the trials that come, to realize that these are your means of correcting us, Lord, of preparing us for that new heavens and that new earth. And we pray that each one of us listening here today might be there with all of our loved ones. And so we thank you, Lord, and ask you to bless us now in all that we say and do. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the 7am Bible this morning. I trust you've gained a blessing from it. And remember, wherever you are today, wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, take the Lord with you, be prayerful, be careful, and have a great day. And I look forward to you joining me for the next episode of the 7am Bible.
1: And you don't call to stay. To. Jesus your Lord.